0: Ōhenemutu is a small village on the edge of Lake Rotorua. Steam bellows from the hot springs that litter this part of town. There are ngāwha, or hot springs, near the homes in the village. There's a Māori organisation just down the road. Tūnohopu and Tamate are the two prominent marae in the area. It appears to be a quiet, simple life where everyone is related. It's where Howard Morrison Jr. grew up and still calls home today. In his mid-50s, Howard Morrison Jr., son of the late entertainer Howard Morrison, launched a solo singing career and a new album in May of this year.
1: Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter or Mars
0: Words, Howie Morrison Jr. Kia ora. Kia, ora. Kia, ora. Kia ora, Howie. Kia,
1: Kia ora, I'm 55 now, so I'm not allowed to use the junior anymore. <laughs> so they reckon.
0: As part of Māori Music Month, I sit down with Howie to talk about his father's influence, music, kapahaka, and growing up in the village.
1: Well, I'm sort of a lick all sorts, because I'm tainui. Ngati Mania Poto, um, Tairawhiti, Nonga Whakata, Te Arwa, Rangiwewehi, Ngati Whakauwe, uh, Tūhoi Ngati Pukego, uh, Mete Motutapu o, o Tonga. So where's that Hononga from? Uh, taho Togumama. Her mother was half German, half Tongan. The, the coloured eyes and the fair skin and I get the my big calf muscles from my Tongan side. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Have you ever been to Tonga?
1: Never, and ever. No, so no. you've
0: never kind of no. re- reconnected to that side of your. Well,
1: hopefully one day I will. Yeah, but as long as they promise not to make me try and attempt to climb a coconut tree because I don't think I'll get up with my puku. <laughs>
0: Where, where did you grow up? Did you grow up in Ohinamutu, where we are today?
1: I grew up here. I was going to say all my life, but I'm not dead yet, so yeah, I've spent most of my life here in Ohinamutu. And us as a family, we very fortunate to be brought up around Kapahaka. I think since the age of four or five, we all started. All our first cousins got together every Sunday with my auntie, dinner, and Uncle Trev, and everyone else was all playing sports, and we were on the side on the side, on the banks of the mighty Utahina River, singing Te Utahina Mai na, And then we developed into having the first family cultural performing group for tourists over here in Tama. From that, as we got a bit older, a film crew turned up and they wanted to do a, a movie about a young Māori boy called Rangi's Catch. So we all trying our best to outperform one another and Tim actually got the part. That was his first motion picture was his catch, and we, all the other cousins decided to get together, and we sort of figured out why he got the part because he was the ugliest and the darkest at the time. <laughs> so it all developed here. So through our life, Kapahaka has always been a, a major part of our lives. You know, I left school with my B.A. bugger all, but because of my cultural upbringing, I've traversed the world three times over. You know, and got to meet, shake hands with presidents and prime ministers and. He's this old little huggy huggy pimply bum from Muddy <laughs> shaking hands with all these dignitaries. And it's not actually until you go overseas that you realise, hey, you know, we're pretty unique people. They want to know the natives of New Zealand, you know. So it's pretty cool. And when you come back, well, you're just another cousin or, or whatever. But certainly our cultural upbringing has helped us a lot. Even Cousin Timuara would, would agree to that.
0: Are you saying that the that kapahakae music and song took you around the world? Is that...
1: Oh, yeah, we have a saying in our family, have we will travel. Because of that, we for went a lot of other opportunities, like myself and my brother in law had a chance to have a Kiwi trial, pay for the Kiwis. And oh, I don't know, hang on, there's a trip to Japan coming to On league in or rugby in League, league. In league, yeah. And I was A grade squash player, I was in tennis, I got down to a 4 handicap golfer, but it was just like a lot of our Māori, they excel in a lot of things, but they don't carry it on. And there's always something around the corner that might be better. Oh, hang on, hang on, we're going to Canada, there's a trip in Canada. We'll go over there and we get paid 50 bucks a week. Oh, yeah, that's us, that's us. So in a way, it sort of dictated my life as well. I mean, last Christmas was my first Christmas I've had off in 40 years from Kabahoga. I didn't miss it. It, j- it just makes you realise how much sacrifice and time you give away and you neglect your family. And and Kapahaka didn't pay the bills either. So for, you know, you think about it, eight, nine, ten months of the year, you, you practise for 30 minutes of glory on the stage and that's it. But I think it's the passion about standing on that stage in front of all the other hapu, all the other iwi, and say, oh, well, this is me, you know, that type of thing. It might be an ego thing, I think, even the old man you know you can understand why we sacrifice so much weekend after weekend, and sister was living in Palmy, travelling every weekend back, but every group's like that
0: have you i mean you've probably been asked this question over the years, but what was it like growing up with your having a dad such as your dad? It
1: was hard you used to get bullied on every day,
0: strict nice. disciplinarian
1: or just. My, my dad? Yeah, yeah. It was but actually more my mum that brought us up because dad was always overseas. But, but at school I got bullied a lot because they oh. perceived us to be uh, superstar from a superstar family. Well, not even. You know, when dad was overseas, mum was cleaning motel rooms and, and, and putting bread on and butter on our tables. So, yeah, I got a few hidings of my, my time growing up. And I think it was my early 20s, I said, look. Don't compare me to my father. He's He is who he is, and I am who I am. And a lot of traits that he has, I have, and a lot of traits he has, I do not have. Because <laughs> they call me ho ho, not in the terms of a ho ho bag like they were in the States, but uh, this is how I dress. You know, when I go. You're out, in your hunter out, bush is, gears. Yeah, well, this is me. I feel comfortable. Yeah. I'm not a certain type person. But, you know, we had different um, standards, I suppose. But, in saying that, when he taught me that when you hop on a stage, you give 110%. Yeah. That stage was very sacrosanct to him. And whether he was ill, whether he was five people in the crowd or 500 in the crowd, you delivered the same performance.
0: What was Dad's favourite song? Was it How Great Thou, Thou Art?
1: How that came about is that, that I think it the Royal Variety Concert was coming up. Yeah. And the week before, he still didn't have a song to sing. So he went up to St Faith's church on the Sunday, and the congregation sung Fikari Amai, and he said, that's the song I want to sing. So he let the organisers know, and they said, what, you're going to sing a hymn? He says, no, but I'm going to sing it my way, half in English and half in Māori. No, you can't sing it in Māori, because the Queen won't know what you're singing about. He said, I don't care. I'm singing the song. And he fought and fought, and he finally got it. And what happens? number one hit for about 12 weeks on memory of the program, Ready to Roll. And and that sort of opened the doors for other Māori songs. You know and That was number one for about eight, nine, ten weeks or something like that. And all my mates to ring up, hey, the old man's hymn, still number one, and Michael Jackson's number two. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he sung the song and he said, uh, people asked him, what do you, you look so emotional when you sing that song. And I says, well, it sold 100,000 copies and he gave all the... Proceeds for that away to charity. So every time he sung that song, he got so emotional thinking about all those hundreds and thousands of dollars he gave away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, Oh.
0: What do you think was the one of the greatest lessons you learned through your
1: dad's work ethic? and His stagecraft and his timing. I mean, every entertainer around that time, and even now would say that no one could match him for timing. You know, someone would say something from the audience and bang. Off the cuff coming. Yeah, Yeah, he was so quick. But I remember when he finished singing and then he worked for Māori Affairs for about five years, I remember every day he'd read a page of the Oxford Dictionary because he was getting involved in Parkour world and he didn't have the word power, and it took him five years to memorize every word in the Oxford dictionary. so his word power was, was awesome you know he'd, he'd sit down in different elks and these would be toffee he nose he'd drop a big word and he'll drop another one and I could see them sort of take a step. or you know they're no too ashamed to so what does that word mean you know so he couldn't converse with people from right down you know a little like you right to the top. He never drank or smoked till he was 31. Everyone Why would he else? pick up a cigarette at 31? I mean, um, you know, usually he'd go to I it. I blame my brother. Because <laughs> he was 31 when my younger brother was born. And then after that, he he picked up smoking and drinking. Because you can imagine how strong-willed he was not to partake in all that stuff. All the band and all the other artists were smoking and drinking. So, But if you think about it, he lived the longest out of all those entertainers from his, his time, you know, Billy died in 40s, wasn't he, 40s? Yeah,
0: Billy T. James.
1: Chewy, was he late 40s, early 50s? So he certainly heeded his father's words when his father said, you look after your body until you're 25 because it's still developing and then you can do what you want.
0: The Mati Rangi Kapahaka group originates from Awaho near Nungotaha in Rotorua. The group was founded to raise money for their marae and since that time have gone on to win the national competition Te Matatini twice, the first in 1983 and the second in 1996. Trevor Maxwell and his late wife Atarita tutored the group for several years. As Howie Morrison explains, Kapahaka was all around him as a child.
1: I was nine. So you were in the midgets first? We were in the midgets, yeah. We yeah. had the midgets, then the intermediates. Then the midgets, yeah. And then the seniors. So seniors, what period of that was you? Was it the early 80s or...? I no, was 75, my first national. That was Gisborne. Oh, so 75. Then 77 was Wellington, I think. Oh, I might be a year off. No, actually 77 was my first one. Oh, shit, I can't remember. <laughs> but I know I've done 15 nationals and 19 regionals. Funny, my uncle Trev. He's my favourite uncle of all time. He is. And all our one-liners, me and Tim do, they all derive from him. You know, on mm-hmm. one sorority when he said, give that man a milkshake? We <laughs> were in Philadelphia and this, our, our liaison said, oh, I'll have five margaritas. Oh, hang on, hang on, bro, what's a margarita? Oh, it's a thing with salt on I said, No, 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 I'll just have a Budweiser. Uncle Trev leaned over to the barman and said, barman, give him the milkshake. So anyway, I had my Budweiser and they're drinking their margarita and after Uncle Trev had a zippy... I mean, in a bad sit <laughs> Parties and cocktail evenings, people are coming around with hors d'oeuvres and sausage rolls, you know, they offer to you. Mm-hmm. You look at them and go, oh, not for me, I'm driving. Oh, man. He what, was a, what a comedian. He's a character, man. So all our funny ha-ha things that me and Tim do all derive from that fella. Yeah, shit, he was funny there. <laughs> but in saying that, he was a great tutor, he was a great uncle. When, uh, when did you decide to walk away from the Ropu? 2002, I think, was my last stand with uh, I think we were here, up in Auckland. And I was living at uh, Makatu at the time. And all my aunties and uncles, oh, come and do something for Ngati Fuku. We're always missing that, you know. So I went down and I started a, um, just a, a Ngaho group, you know, getting all the oldies down there. And she, I said, gee, I wish my Kapahaka serious group back home were like that, you know, all the old aunties bringing in and the scones and, and the pies and all that.
0: Howie Morrison previously fronted Muddy Television's Hunting Aotearoa show. As he talks about his new album and music, it all started after a conversation with a mate.
1: Uh, well, my good friend John Tamihere, I owe a lot to for, for instigating that. Yeah, so we sat down and he says, well, it's like this, mate. You're not getting any younger. That's how he talks straight And he says, you got one shot. If you go down to Googler... You only got self to blame. <laughs> 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 so anyway, I came up with those songs, and there were actually only five that going to do an EP. It's an EP, oh, yep. And then we were sitting with him, and he said, you want to launch it on Mother's Day? And I said, yep. He said, what's your hook? I said, well, the hook is the album. Yeah, but there's no hook. And I said, well, what's your hook? And I said, you should, should sing a mum song. And I said, oh, I might sing one of Dad's ones my mother's eyes, and they said, no, the most famous mum song in New Zealand is Tui Tigger's mum. Oh mum, I love you, yes I do. So he was the one who inspired me to do the mum song, and then I'd done a couple of others, and uh, yeah, it went from there, and um, I've played it to few of my aunties now and they, they didn't like the song Mum. Oh, okay. Only because it's not one of Dad's songs. And I just generally said, Look, all the albums that Dad done in the years over the years, he featured all these other artists except me. So I'm not singing one of his songs on my album. And this album is about you, not your father. Why well, I love that song, Therese. And you think about it, there's only one mum song anywhere about on well, New Zealand based anyway. Mm. And who else to to tribute, but um the prince himself. Tui was famous for his trumpet playing. But he never finished a song. He'd brass people off, you know, he'd go do 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 Oh yeah, and then he would start telling a story and people were getting they used to get wild with him at very talented musician and singer and entertainer. And that's the difference with Dad, the likes of him, Billy, Dad, they're entertainers. They're not just people who get on the stage and sing. Yeah. They can entertain, they can especially Tui was a you know, you know, Billy sort of crossed the line sometimes when he started bullying Māoris but not himself, whereas Tui was all about himself, having to laugh and chuckle at himself. And Dad was the same too. You know, he'd demean himself and talk about where the Māoris come from and all that, and then when the people started laughing, they said, OK, that's my door now. I can go and start having a great you, you guys. But, mm. yeah, that's so... Um, the success or non-success is, uh, I can honestly say, it was because of my mate JT. If my life was like a book Then every page that I would look You'd be there If I Could Change, that was co-written by myself and Russell Harrison. And then the song Take Me Home was written by myself and my wife. And it just tells a story of people perceive... People like myself living the high life, travelling overseas and going here and there. When, in actual fact, well, we are we on a beer's home? You know, with our families. So that's what that song about. "Fly Me to the Moon." I was actually my nephew Tewata Crib. He was my um, a real consultant on hunting Aotearoa. I got him to translate some mighty lyrics to "Fly Me to the Moon." <laughs> So, oh, Gamaka Miss. Sorry. Oh, uh, Fiso, yes, from. He done the Māori for If I Could Change. And then obviously, nga Mate, those kapu were from um, Auntie Nen and Uncle Babwehi. I'm interested to know
0: three of your favourite songs and why. What what songs have influenced you?
1: i got so many. One of my favourite ballads of all time is um, One in a Million. One in a million chance of a lifetime it's about um he'd be waiting all his life for love, and they finally come along that type thing sort of like a broken ass song yeah <laughs> but Stevie Wonder I've always loved his music. What's your favorite st- oh that's now that's a hard question. Isn't she lovely? you know the the, the faster up tempo ones, and I've always been, always been a fan of Tom Jones. I mean he's still going and he smokes cigarettes, chain smokes and half bottle of cognac every day. But his mate, his voice is just like red wine just gets better and better. So I've got one of his songs in there. And I took my wife up to the studio, her not knowing what my purpose was and then I got her to sing her some harmonies in there. So that's her feature. And otherwise I've done all my I've done all my own harmonies because um I love Blend of harmonies, you know. You know, and people, especially Kiwis and people of our ilk, they remember all the quartet days and all those songs, and there's nothing like it anymore the high marks and all that. Oh, yeah. You know, you get a lot of um, great singers out there, but they don't utilize harmonies as much. Kapaka still do. Beautiful singing now. Ooh. Yeah, no, they do. Oh, we beautiful. had a good hard task, Maska, Mindy. Yeah. Excuse me. Can you hear my voice? That's mighty. No. That's right, because you're singing too loud. No one sings louder than me. <laughs> but this it was is, all, all is about dinner. This yeah, is it me. was not saying in the, in a way that on the star. It was like she's got one of the – she didn't have the strongest voice, but she had a good voice. So if anyone couldn't hear her voice, they were singing too loud. In other words, you're not blending. You're just trying to shout. And the same thing applied to Dad when um, he had um, – his guitarist became crooks, so the boy said, oh, why don't you get uh, Tim Renata? Oh, yeah, OK. So Tama came along and he's playing the song, and then the, the old man stopped the band and he said, boy, you come up the front, and I'll go where you are. And Tama said, what do you mean? Well, I'm the star of the show, not you, but you're him out, so i must go back there and back you up. And then Tui Timoti was one of our greatest guitarists ever. He used to feature on TV a lot with... um. He was one of the first Maori guitarists to learn music, but learn it well at the top level. So he used to have a big massive orchestra on TV, the different shows, and then you see this Black Marion there with this red guitar. But still world renowned. And he's moving back home soon. He'd been living in Brizzy for about oh, Gold Coast, thirty thirty plus years. Oh he 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 was um with Tui. Guitarist and Tui said the same thing because Tui nurtured Billy. And then one night after the show, Tui said, We out here. And Billy said, Oh, well, what do you mean? Because he was in the volcanics.
0: Yeah, yeah. He said, yep.
1: You're good enough to go on your own now. You don't need us anymore. Right. You're gone. And it took him a while to get us onto his feet, but once he took off, all this, you know that. Yeah. And the same thing with Tui. He said, Tui, you're not going anywhere with me. You can play it with your eyes closed. You need to challenge yourself, so you're gone. And then he'd bring young people in to train them up. Once they'd served the apprenticeship, he'd send them out. And Dad was the same thing like that. They always believed in nurturing. Because at that time, a lot of our young kids were getting into that music, but they they not getting into the behind-scenes culture. Mm. But with Dad and Tui, they sort of pulled them back. They said, no, 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 but you go, you're a great player, but you can't read the dot. So they swayed them in love with that. so... Tui played with Tui Tecker. Then he spent, he was a music director for Billy T for as long as he was doing live shows. So he'd been around or two, he'd be a great one to interview. And I wake up in the morning and she rolled her and whispered in my ear. Mm-hmm. Can you ring me a taxi? Oh, sorry, I've been not seeing that one. <laughs> 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 Here's a little song that we used to sing when we were. Uh, Growing up, back in the old days, when men were men and women, well, they were men too. <laughs> so, now the lovely camera lady can join in with me if she can hear a harmony. If not, zip it. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Young, blessed day. Gertine.